So there, there are um, several aspects of the metta practice that I'd like to speak about this evening. And um, I'm not sure how, how to link them. So, so if the talk seems a little kind of um, rambling and all over the place and disconnected, just please bear with me. <laughs> and um, perhaps by the end it will have, make some sense. So today is, uh, or now the, um, the second day of the retreat is, is almost finished. We've come to the, the evening of the second day. And, and what, I, what I've noticed over the years of being on retreat and also of um, watching and meeting with, with people when I'm teaching is that um, there's, um, there's a little bit of a, I don't know if I would call it a pattern, but maybe a tendency and an inclination that the second day of the retreat is often the most difficult. And it often seems like once we get through the second, or sometimes for some people it's the third day, once we get through the second or the third day, then the retreat, you know, then you kind of get into a rhythm and a flow and, and, uh, and, get, and get more settled. But the second day, very often, seems to be the most difficult. And what makes it the most difficult is that very often it's the second day when the hindrances show the most clearly and the most strongly. So if I, if I name the, the five traditional hindrances of sloth and torpor, restlessness, wanting mind, aversion, and doubt. Is there anyone who didn't have any or all of those today? (laughs) How many experience one or more of those today in a way that you recognized kind of to a certain extent or to a great extent being caught in it? Right. (laughs) Yeah, so... So we, the, 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 hindrances, the hindrances come up, and, and the hindrances show in many different ways. But just to, just to run through some of the ways that I notice they show up. Uh, so sloth and torpors, that's, that's pretty obvious, you know. The, <laughs> uh, the, head, the head bob. <laughs> um, restlessness shows in the body still looking for a comfortable place to sit or a comfortable way to be, a, a comfortable posture, um, wanting to move more, feeling, oh, I'm sitting so much, I need to move more. Um, restlessness of mind. How many have noticed restlessness of mind today? Okay, mind just going all over the place. All kinds of memories, plans, stories, um, ideas, questions, just so much. The mind just going all over the place and trying to figure it all out. Restlessness. Wanting mind. Wanting something to be different. I want a more comfortable seat. I want some different kind of food, something other than beans. (laughs) I want... uh, (laughs) I, I... I want um, different phrases in the metta practice. 
I want to do Vipassana practice. Okay, how many have experienced some of these today? <laughs> ah, aversion mind. I don't like not liking. What, what, what do I not like? I don't like maybe some of the food. I don't like um, the standing meditation. I don't like the phrases that are being used. I don't like um, so much instruction in so many of the periods. I'd rather have, I want, more silence. Okay. I'm not going to ask how many of <laughs> And doubt. This isn't working. I'm not doing it right. It doesn't feel right. I don't feel metta. I think I should just go home. As Molly said, I should bolt. <laughs> I think I should go and have a rest. There's so much sloth and torpor. Maybe I should just go and have a rest, just lie down and have a sleep. But I'm not so sure about that. Maybe the better thing to do is just to keep sitting. Or maybe it's better to walk. <laughs> this is doubt. So these, these hindrances show, and, and as, I, as I mentioned, it seems like on the second day is when they, they come with full force. <laughs> and and the, the, in the context of this retreat, it, it's, it's curious and it's kind of paradoxical that the fact that the hindrances are showing is actually a good thing. <laughs> it's actually, it's great that the hindrances are showing because the hindrances are saying, ah, time for metta. When the hindrances to show, this is the time when we really need the metta practice. And um, ju just a, a few words about, about the metta practice and what the metta practice is. We, we use the phrases, we say the phrases, and we've gone now, we began with self, and then we had, um, the, usually using the more traditional language, a friendly person, and then a neutral person, and an unfriendly person. And we, and we use the language, may you be... And, and, it, and it has the sense of being directed to a particular person. And, and maybe we're even visualizing a particular person. And, and the sense is one of, I'm here saying these phrases and directing them to that other person. And so the, the, the kind of the focus of the metta becomes one of narrowness, it's focused just on that one particular person. And it also, it also can contribute to, not always, not for everyone, but it can contribute to a sense of separateness, a sense of separation. I'm here doing this for that person. And, and I, I think it's important to question and to examine just what metta is. What is the metta practice? And it's, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult 
for one reason, because of the translation. The word metta gets translated in different ways. So it gets translated as loving kindness. It gets translated as friendliness or friendship. It gets translated as kindness. It gets translated as openness. And, and all of these are accurate, but no one of them <laughs> is really accurate. Um, metta is it's, it's more than these, these individual qualities. And, and metta, and, and metta, so in, in, in using the phrases, there's this sense of kind of offering or sending metta to someone. And often with that, there's, there's an expectation, especially when it's to myself, there's an expectation. If I'm sending metta to myself, I should be feeling happy. I should be feeling peaceful. I should be feeling, and meanwhile, here's all these hindrances just coming and going and coming and going. I'm not feeling metta. I'd like to offer a definition of metta, um, which doesn't use any of these standard trans- translations. And the, the definition I would offer, and this, is, this can certainly be inquired into, but the definition I would offer is that metta, metta is a selfless wish for the well-being and happiness. Now, the inclination is to go on and say, for self and other. But I stop at that. Metta is the selfless wish for well-being. So metta, metta is it's, it's an inner quality. It's not something that I do for you, or even that I do for myself. It's more a way of being. In, in developing and cultivating the metta practice, hopefully we're developing a way of being. And that way of being is one of metta. A way of being metta. If you've read the, um, the, the translation of the, of the metta sutta, the, disc, the Buddha's discourse on metta that's been posted out on the board, you see that that the Buddha lists all kinds of different people. And I think the reason he lists all these different kinds of people in different places, in different realms, different times, the reason he he mentions this whole range is as as a, a pointer to metta not making any discrimination. Metta goes equally to everyone, everywhere, in all times. We, we artificially divide it in the formal practice to these different, these different people or different categories of people. But ultimately, metta is it's, it's a way of being, of, of having, of, of being this wish for well-being. So no matter who we contact, or think about, no matter what the situation is, the way of being is metta. 
Okay, and when the way of being is metta, and, and as I've referred to, um, it's not something that is done. When we, when we encounter someone whose way of being is metta, we feel it. We know that, that friendliness, that kindness, that, that the, the generosity, the, the gentleness, the openness that comes, all these qualities that come with metta. We can feel it, just like when a, when a person is, um, you know, when a person, when, he, when a person's way of being is generosity, we feel that, that generosity. When a person's way of being is anger, we can sense that. The person even doesn't even have to open his or her mouth. We can sense anger. We can see it in the facial expression. We can see it in the eyes. And cultivating metta is cultivating with the, the, it's with the intention of cultivating metta in this way, so that we are metta. Our very being is metta, metta that does not discriminate, that doesn't create boundaries, that doesn't have separations. Not an easy task. And that's why we practice. Um, the other, uh, yesterday, boy, it was just yesterday, <laughs> Molly, um, Molly spoke briefly about how the Buddha said that he teaches about dukkha and the ending of dukkha. And then she said that he also teaches about the cause of dukkha. So she, she mentioned three three aspects of the teachings, three, three key critical aspects of the teachings. And, um, and, and, and the Buddha actually summed up his teachings with these statements. First, he said, there is dukkha, and most of you are familiar with it, but I never get tired of hearing it myself. Um, the first is, there is dukkha. And he says, this, this is to be understood. The fact that there is dukkha is to be understood. And, and what this is saying is, explore dukkha, examine it, look at it. If we kind of turn the word understood around and see it as standing under, and it's saying stand under dukkha, feel the weight of dukkha so that you really know it, you really understand it. And understand it to the extent that you know the cause. And this is the second statement. There is a cause for dukkha. There is a cause. And he says that knowing the cause, that cause is to be abandoned. So when we know the cause of dukkha, we abandon it. As long as we don't know it, we can't abandon it. So we come to know it. So how do we come to know it? We come to know it by being present with dukkha and exploring it and questioning it and inquiring into it and, and being with it, opening to it, 
allowing its presence. Again, not an easy thing to do. And once it's abandoned, once the cause is abandoned, then we realize the ending of dukkha. And so the Buddha, his third point is the ending of dukkha. And so there's these three. And then the Buddha goes on, as I'm sure you know, he goes on to a fourth statement. Having explored dukkha, examined dukkha, understood dukkha, having abandoned the cause and having realized the ending of dukkha, then the Buddha was able to formulate a path. And the fourth, the fourth statement is, here's a path. And he called it the Eightfold Path because it has eight parts to it. The second, the second part, the second part is right intention or wise intention or skillful intention. And right intention, it's, it's got three parts, two parts. Um, I'll try and get back to the third part later. But the, the, the two parts here that are very directly related with metta are the intention for non-harming and non-ill will. The intention for non-harming and non-ill will. In the, in the arising and showing of the hindrances today, did any of you recognize any ill will within that? Did any of you recognize any kind of harming? Emotional harming, psychological harming, maybe physical harming even. The, one of the functions of the metta practice, one of the functions of the metta practice is to, is to cultivate this being in a way that it often slowly and gradually inclines us, inclines us away from the harming and the ill will. It inclines us towards, it inclines us towards what the Buddha spoke of as as metta being the antidote for harming and ill will. Metta is the antidote for anger and hate and hatred and ill will. And so in, in the practice of metta, we're, we're kind of inclining the heart, the heart-mind. So, interesting word that the Buddha uses, the, um, the, the, the Pali word citta, which is generally translated as mind, but it, it's very specifically the heartful aspect of mind. It's, it's more the emotional aspect of mind. Um, in, 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 Western, in, in, in the context of Western medicine, we could say it's the right side of the brain. We could, we could 
yeah, we could kind of equate it with that, although it's not quite the same. But the, but the right side of the brain is more the the emotional, the um, the responsive, the um, it's it's the aspect of brain that doesn't make separations and boundaries and limits. And and so it's so the, this this word chitta is is the heart mind, and so it's. It's, it's inclining the heart and mind. Metta is an inclining of the heart and mind away from anger, hatred, aversion, ill will, by cultivating that, that beingness of metta. Okay, so, so that metta becomes the antidote for these harmful qualities. And this is a, a very important reason for cultivating metta, for developing metta. And, and so that we see, just in this one little piece, we see that metta is an important part of the path. If we list the path, what's um, the path? Right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. The question that I so often get asked is, how come metta and compassion aren't in the path? But here they are. They're right here in, this, in, this second, in the second part. Very much a part of the path. In fact, we can examine the whole path and we can see that metta is a part of every piece of the path. In fact, some, some people would say, and up to a point I would agree, that the whole path is metta. The path to liberation is not in any way separate from or different than metta. And so, so we, we see in, in the path, we see the importance of the practice of metta. Okay, and again, metta being that, that, that selfless wish. It's, it's the wish. It's not a doing. It's being that wish, embodying that wish for well-being that doesn't discriminate. So we, we come on retreat and we have the practice. We have, we have two aspects of the practice. So one aspect we've been, we've been cultivating primarily in the standing meditation where the instructions have been to just stand, open to the experience of the body, however it is, and as much as you can to bring to it an attitude of metta, of friendliness, of kindness, of gentleness, of whatever word you want to translate, or just metta without translating it. And and with an understanding of what metta, what metta truly is. And then there's the formal practice. And in the formal practice, we, as, as we've been doing, we, we select specific people or specific um, categories of people, and we repeat the phrases. And so we, we use these, these categories of people um, not then these individuals. I would say that 
the way to do this practice is not focused so much on the person. The person is 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 um, the person is kind of um, um, a support, a support. It's it's a tangible object, which serves the purpose of of cultivating. But ultimately, it's not really about that specific person or category of people. Ultimately, it's about the developing of the wish, the cultivating of the wish. Okay, so we, so we, we, we have these categories, we have these, these specific people, and we use phrases. And, and, and the, wording of the, the wording of the phrases is, may I or may you be. It's not be happy. It's not a command. It's a wish. May you be happy. It's, an, it's a wish. It's an intention. It's an inclination. It's inclining the heart-mind in that direction. Okay, so it's may you be. The phrases we use the phrases we use, the phrases that we've chosen to use are very short, very simple, only three of them. And, um, and, and there's, there, there, there are a number of reasons for this. And this, this morning in the instructions, Molly said that, uh, Molly, um, Molly mentioned that you can use your own phrases. And, and sometimes it's appropriate, and sometimes it's skillful. But um, for a number of reasons, I'm going to go a little bit more into this. It's, it's really important to have continuity with a set of phrases, to not keep changing and doing, well, I'll do these phrases for myself, and I'll do these ones for someone else, and then, well, no, I'm not feeling that. I should do these phrases instead. Um, no, I don't like, I can't remember those ones. I'll use these ones. This is all restlessness and doubt. We, sh- we choose three short, simple phrases for a number of reasons, one being to make them as easy as possible to remember, so after not too many minutes, we should be able to just say the phrases without thinking. Without thinking, oh, what should I say? Should I use that phrase? Should I use a different phrase? It doesn't feel right. I'm going to use another one. You just say the phrases. And probably it's been your experience that at times in these past two days, you're saying the phrases, and there's a flow. It's easy. It really feels like metta. And at other times, you're saying exactly the same phrases, and it doesn't feel so easy. It's not flowing. It doesn't feel like metta. Metta, <coughs> metta is to be metta no matter what it feels like. It's not about how it feels. It's about holding that wish for well-being no matter how it is. 
there's no particular way that metta feels. It's holding that wish. It's being a container for that wish for well-being. When it doesn't feel good, the tendency is, oh, I have to do something else. How much wish for well-being is there in that? Or it's, oh, I have to get rid of this. How much wish for well-being is in that? It's important to give attention to your relationship to what you're experiencing. With what I'm experiencing, so I'm saying the phrases, but underneath that, am I feeling aversion? Or am I clinging? Or am I experiencing doubt? Or restlessness? Or, or dullness, disinterest, boredom? And then see, can I contain, can I, can I hold that in metta? Can I hold my actual experience in metta? So just as metta doesn't discriminate about different people, it also doesn't have to discriminate about experience or feelings or mind states or emotions. Okay, and again, this is not easy, but we practice, we practice this. Okay, so, so real encouragement, real encouragement through the rest of the retreat to, to use these, these simple, short, three fra- f- phrases, phases, phrases. Um, after the retreat, if you want to experiment with your own phrases, please do. Feel free to. It's wonderful to do that. But real encouragement, if you're experimenting or trying out different phrases, not just to try it a couple of times and say, oh no, this doesn't feel good. Keep doing it for a week or a month. The same phrases. The same phrases for yourself, for your friend, for your neutral person, for your unfriendly, and for all beings. Have some continuity in the practice. This, the, 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 it, it's, the continuity plays a huge part in the, the strengthening of the inclination of the heart-mind in that direction. Coming back... <coughs> excuse me. Coming back to the Eightfold Path, um, the, um, the, the, the Eight, the last, and, and I, I always like to point out that it comes at the end of the Eightfold Path and not at the beginning. It's concentration. And, and I point that out because so often for so many people, it's, the meditation has to start with concentration. Even if I never mention it, the, the feedback is, I'm not concentrated. I can't get concentration. And we struggle to get concentration. And so concentration is at the end. 
And very commonly and very frequently in the discourses, when the Buddha presents the metta practice, he actually presents it as a concentration practice. Metta practice is a concentration practice. And it, metta, the metta practice can develop concentration for a number of reasons. One reason is because the, the repetition of a few short, simple phrases focuses the attention and settles the attention. Okay? And the settling and the focusing of the attention, and this is leaning towards concentration. So the, the, the repetition of the short, simple phrases settles and focuses. In that settling and focusing, what it's, what it's doing is displacing all the other thoughts and ideas and hindrances that arise. It just doesn't leave any space in, in the mind for these other thoughts and stories to take hold. You just keep saying the phrases and it just eliminates all the others. And so this again contributes to, to a deepening of the focus and the concentration. Another thing that, that, um, that happens in, in, in the repetition of the phrases, in, in, in using these same phrases over and over again, is that the phrases actually, we can, can settle to a point where the phrases actually start just kind of saying themselves. <laughs> And it's, it's not me saying them. It's not me doing it. The phrases just flow. The phrases just flow. And in that, the, 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 the sense of doing drops away. And the sense of me drops away. And that allows for a tremendous deepening of concentration. Another thing that happens in the, in the saying of the phrases, in, in using the phrases to relate to myself, to another person, whether friendly, unfriendly, or neutral, it establishes a connection. The saying of the phrases establishes a connection. It establishes a relationship. And that relationship, that, that connection that gets established will gradually start to break down the barrier. And the sense of separation can become less and less. And as that, as that sense of separation becomes less, as the sense of connection and relationship becomes greater, I think we all know, we've all experienced that the greater sense of connection and relationship with, we have with someone, the happier we feel. You notice that? So the metta, the metta practice 
um, conditions happiness, joy. It conditions a joyful heart and a joyful mind. And one of the prerequisites that the Buddha names for right concentration, which is the part of the, the last part of the Eightfold Path, one of the preconditions for right concentration, it's not I have to get concentrated, oh, I have to work harder, I have to force this mind back here. The precondition, the prerequisite for right concentration is joy. So next time you're trying to get concentrated and you're not getting it, ask yourself, is there joy here? Or is there a lot of pressure and tension and stress and anxiety, anxiousness, and trying to get? In, in, the, in, the, in, in, in repeating the repetition of the phrases in the formal metta practice, the conditions for concentration just naturally arise and concentration just naturally arises. And this is right concentration. And the, the great value, one of the great values of right concentration is that it allows us, it allows us in a, in a much more steady, stable way to stay present with what is. And that, that staying present with what is, is a, an aspect of the metta. Metta allows us to stay present. And in that staying present with what is, we get to know it. Unlike when we're trying to get rid of it or trying to keep it from changing in any way, just that, that, that joyful opening, that friendly, joyful being with allows us to know. And in that knowing, in that, in that knowing, through the metta practice can come liberating insight. Insight that liberates us from self-centeredness. Insight that liberates us from the, the greed and the hatred and the delusions that arise with self-centeredness. Through the metta practice, we can begin to understand to know things as they actually are. Not how I would like them to be or how I don't want them to be, but how they actually are. It's very freeing. It's very liberating. And so we practice metta. We practice metta to cultivate this beingness just for the sake of being metta. As the Buddha said, this is the noblest living here. The noblest way of living in this human form is with metta. And so we practice to live with nobility and we practice for liberation. 
It's a real encouragement, real, real encouragement to use not so much time left on this retreat, but to really use the rest of this retreat to, to, to really sincerely, sincerely engage with this practice, this practice of cultivating selfless wish for well-being. Okay, so let's sit quietly for a few minutes.